Hi, you're listening to Friar Side Chats, and I'm your host, Emma Miller, here today actually with two. Yes. Two folks. We got Father Mike, as usual. As usual. And special guest. Unusual. Coach John Donowski. The unusual. That's John right. Donowski. That's right. Thank you. John is the uh, men's lacrosse coach here mm-hmm. at Duke University, the mm-hmm. national championship. Did you wear a ring? No, you wore your wedding ring, but you did not so. wing, wear one of your... I can't speak. Wear one of your national championships rings. Do you do you wear them ever? Never, <laughs> never. Uh, we try to stay humble, and uh, we're kind of thinking about the next one. Really? Ah. Ah. So this way, it keeps us keeps us hungry. There I got you, go. you. I got you. So you're thinking about the next <laughs> one, and you don't wear one so that you will think about the next one. Exactly. All right. right. Exactly. Yeah. I am. Don't think about uh, past ones. We're looking at the future. Emma, do you have any national championship rings at home? <sighs> Do you? Yes. Uh, yeah, for being a chaplain. Thanks to the <laughs> national championship oh, caliber. I'm sorry. What position did you play, Father Mike? I played a vital position, didn't I? Motivator. That's it. Oh, motivator. Exactly. Okay, so you have a national championship ring for lacrosse. Do you mm-hmm. have a you have a bowl ring? I have a few bowl rings. Yes. A few bowl rings. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> I'm not gonna touch that one. Yeah, really. really. <laughs> I'm not gonna. You know, it's funny, though, is that um, I never wear them either, Mm-mm. but uh, sometimes to be uh, dorky to some of my friar friends, I'll put them on my hands and take a picture of my hand. <laughs> 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 like, what a jerk. Oh, but boy. Well, great to have you here, yeah, John. This yeah, is great. This is us. great being in the studio. Oh. Yeah. With both of you. <laughs> the studio that we would love to have sponsored. That's right. Yeah. So we're, right. we're looking for big sponsors. And we know that you'll be a draw. I mean, our, our listenership will go through the roof That's right. as a result of you being with us. And so the maybe roof the is big... pretty low here. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, you don't do hit have to your bend head. over to get in. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, I mean, we did have to scrounge up a third microphone and mic stand and headphones right. today. That's so right. if anyone wants to donate <laughs> some high quality <laughs> audio equipment, we're here. But um, yeah, seriously, thank you for joining us. I, um, you, you've been at Duke for how many years now? This is year fourteen, year which is 14. very hard for me to wrap my head around. But wow. year fourteen, okay. John. What, what's the normal longevity for uh, college lacrosse coaches? Hundreds of years. Right. <laughs> no, it's it, it's such a great uh, position mm. that, uh, and it's an Olympic sport. Mm. And as long as you don't mess up, right? You know, largely, mm-hmm. uh, you, you can stay at your school for a long time, and mm. and uh, and many many men do. Great. And so it's been a. Uh, I was at Hofstra for twenty one years. Wow. Um, and uh, wow. but guys will you know guys will coach for 25 mm. 30 years sure. uh, you know at one particular school right mm. and you've got many more years left in that's in the that hope. brain yes yeah, sir exactly mm. i don't know about the body but the well. brain <laughs> 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 yeah but it's been great getting to know you over at least the years that i've been here um just see so for our listeners coach Janowski worships with us on sundays um, he's always there he uh, it's a participant in like a small group of other other adult members, I guess we would say, who worship with us. Or is, uh, are you no, no, are no, you on the lacrosse? He's guys? in the he's, he shows up with the lacrosse. Oh, guys. you're yeah. in that one. I thought you yeah. were in Andrew's small group. No, no, no. I was uh, actually when I put my name in the basket, they did call <laughs> me. But uh, <laughs> with Terry Lindsay, uh, what I found is yeah. the small group with some of my players. Mm. It it puts me in a whole different 
ball game with them. Wow. Um, we get to know each other on a very different level. Um, and we're just kind of equals, you yeah. know, sitting around a table. And uh, it's, it's, it's been incredibly enlightening uh, on so many different levels. Wow. I didn't even know that, that you were in the lacrosse men's small group. In fact, Terry, is, Terry has done such a great job that mm. we had as many as, I think, uh, 14, 14 guys the first wow. weekend, uh, the yeah. first week that we did it. Right. Uh, it's been about eight to 10 because uh, the days move around a little bit. Yeah. But uh, T-, T does a great job. That's yeah. incredible. So, I mean, you mentioned you can feel the fruits of it in your relationship with those guys, but what have you seen the fruits of that small group amongst the players? I'm just curious. Uh, I, I think a couple of things. Uh, I think number one is um, we had a vote uh, a couple of weeks ago for captains. Mm. And the uh, first thing I noticed was all three captains were guys that were members of the of the group. Wow. And I don't think that's an accident. Mm. Uh, I think these are guys of, of really extremely high character. Mm. Uh, they're balanced in their life and how they go about, go about uh, you know, how they want to live. Mm. And... Um, I think other people recognize that, uh, you know, and I think it's the, uh, and we share a lot of things, uh, whether it's personal, whether it's team yeah. related or family or, uh, so it's, it's really been, I think everybody's getting to know each other on a deeper level. That's Isn't that what the Holy Spirit always does, yes. you know, is that opens us up to uh, get beyond any of the, na- I don't want to say natural, maybe unnatural barriers Mm. that inhibit us from being connected with one another and so our small group ministry um, that you're talking about is flourishing when it does do a deep dive into some of those areas Mm -hmm. that and you know as you as a head coach you relate with these guys on lots of different levels but there you know there are always going to be some barriers until Christ's presence mm-hmm. brings all those barriers down right. and to whatever extent people, you know, get comfortable. It's not a confessional right. moment. It's right. not a therapy session, but rather sitting around talking about the gospel. Um, mm. It, it opens us up to different doors that we probably wouldn't have uh, gone through mm-hmm. together as a, as a group. And so I would think then that the, the, um, the sense of connection with your players you know, having that uh, available to you and to them, um, it's just, it's another another benefit, I would think, right? I also, uh, just as an observation, I, I'm amazed at the freshmen who've come in yeah. oh, really? and who step up and speak. Mm. You know, I would think that the freshmen would be a little bit more observers, sure. a little bit more. We've got seniors in the room, we've got freshmen in the mm. room. There's no, there's no class distinction. Mm. Great. There's no position distinction. There's yeah. no... I'm a starter. I don't play. Mm. Mm-hmm. There is all of that is is meaningless, mm. uh, it, it, which is meaningless in the big picture. But right. at that particular moment, um, everybody is equal. Everybody uh, everybody shares, mm. and I've really been impressed uh, just watching our freshmen feel very comfortable after only being on campus for you know three or four yeah. weeks. Right, right. You see some future small group leaders in your freshmen. <laughs> Uh, there better be. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a conversation we gotta have, right? <laughs> Unless we can figure out how to get Terry left back. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Grad school. We'll get him another year that's of eligibility. Right, the MMS program right, 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 or something. Right. That's right. <laughs> John, you've been um, you've been in the lacrosse world mm-hmm. uh, a long time. Um, you know, thumbnail. You know what what drew you to that sport, and then how do you end up? 
pretty much at the pinnacle of of mm-hmm. that career at the collegiate level where, where how's that how's you know how's that road run well there's one of two in retrospect there's one of two ways of of looking back at this mm-hmm. it's either a dumb luck <laughs> or some sort of intervention from sure. someplace greater than this room right mm-hmm. right which is hard to say with father mike sitting <laughs> yeah. right here but it's um uh, all I, after coming out of college, uh, I had two degrees. I had a degree in environmental science education, and then I had a degree in counseling. Mm-hmm. So, really, what I wanted to be was a high school football coach and, and a JV or assistant lacrosse coach and a biology teacher. Right. And uh, at the time when I got out of school, uh, enrollments on Long Island were declining uh, where I went back, where I grew up. And so I, I, was able to get a couple of teaching jobs, but either uh, you got excessed because the population was going down and you were the sure. last person hired, so yeah. you got fi- technically fired, but let go. Right. Uh, and coaching jobs were hard to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you took whatever you could. Uh, and so sometimes you taught in one building, uh, in one town, but maybe you coached in another one. Yeah. So you just kind of hustled and you did what, what you could. Mm-hmm. And then the... Uh, the, the lacrosse thing, I was actually a grad assistant at Columbia in football, mm-hmm. and I was an assistant coach at CW Post on Long Island in lacrosse during the same year. Um, not making a heck of a lot of money at either, <laughs> uh, but, and, and newly married, right. we, we just got married, uh, but uh, the, head, the head coach at CW Post in lacrosse ended up getting the head job at University of Pennsylvania, mm. and I said, I guess I'll apply. I was the only assistant that was paid. <laughs> right, right. So uh, I applied and uh, and that started mm. the whole process. Sure. So it was just a little bit wow. of luck. Would you mm. would you say, uh, did you play um, um, lacrosse and football when you were younger or you just, were those two sports that you really? Well, I played football, basketball, and lacrosse gotcha. uh, in high school. I got gotcha. uh, College, uh, the times were different then. Yeah. Uh, so I played, a lot of us were recruited uh, to play both you know, more than one sport. Sure. So I played football and lacrosse in college, uh-huh. played football for three years. Uh-huh. Still my biggest regret in life was walking away from football as a junior. No really? kidding. Uh, I, I regret that to this day uh-huh. uh, because I loved playing football. Sure. But my ego, I got caught up in, and uh, not uh, being the fifth string quarterback. Mm. Sure. <laughs> and, and, and not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, and... Uh, and, and I still do regret that, and it motivates me a lot in coaching, mm-hmm. in terms of you know how I how I go about uh, you know a business on a on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, uh, and my dad and brother were both coaches. Wow! So I grew up around coaches, mm-hmm. although they didn't force that upon me at all. Sure. Uh, but I I got to see what their lifestyle was like. I got to see who their friends were. I got to right. see their their good days and bad days, yeah. and. Uh, and, and so that was a huge influence. Yeah. Mm. What would you say, um, you know, seeing that progression, I think we, we talk a lot um, here uh, with our students around spiritual journey being a, a, mm. a, a process as well and, you know, not trying to um, be so caught up about, um, you know, assessing where I am necessarily, but accepting where I am and letting God love me where I am. I'm wondering, you know, in your own spiritual journey, where you find yourself now, um, what would be some, 
maybe key moments that you think allowed your spiritual journey to progress? I mean, we could probably talk about, you know, your your college coaching and, um, you know, as you said, you know, parents, you know, your your family was were, were coaches and then right place, right time, boom. Um, does the spiritual journey for you have similar kind of yeah. mile markers? Uh, absolutely. And I would certainly, if I could uh, pinpoint anything, it's it's the men that I've met along the way. Mm. Uh, there was a, uh, it's, it's a kind of a, a wild story, but when I was at Hofstra, uh, there was uh, Father uh, Kufferberg was uh, assigned to our parish in Farmingdale. Uh, it turns out he was a, he was a man who grew up Jewish, mm. converted to Catholicism. Wow. Uh, you know, went, went away to college, became a priest, was assigned to our parish, mm. and, and Larry was, uh, loved music. He, was, uh, he actually played uh, a buddy. I, the reason I, I, I met him before that was uh, he played in a, a bit of a rock and roll band, mm. and he was a dynamic homilist uh, at a time where <laughs> maybe the other gentlemen were a little bit older or a little right. bit, and he was just a little bit younger. He would call me out, you know, <laughs> like at mass in a good way, in a good way. <laughs> but he would look at me, you know, and he would say, you know what I'm talking about. And he would point right at me. Right. And uh, he was just one of those people who just got you engaged. Sure. And so he got me engaged and, and, uh, and doing a lot more, you know, with our local parish mm-hmm. than I was sure. previously. And then Father Joe Fitzgerald uh, also came around. And, you know, Father Joe uh, was a former athlete former quarterback at Ithaca College. Um, he's now a pastor um, at, on Long Island at St. William the Abbot in Seaford. And actually, I went to visit him uh, this past summer. Uh, but he was another person who was assigned to Farmingdale um, and a person that I, uh, again, had a relationship with. And, and so, you know, I, I never thought that I would ever sit down, you know, with a priest at lunch right. and talk. <laughs> right. And talk like two just right. two guys. Just two guys. Right. Uh, to me, you know, priests growing up were on a pedestal. You know, I mm-hmm. could tell you all our parish priests from elementary school. I could tell you about <laughs> Father Dusseldorf and Father McHugh and Father Mott. And, mm-hmm. Sure. But these guys were icons. Right. And, right. and you never accessible. had a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And so for the first time in my life, you know, these men kind of brought me along this mm. path that I never thought that I would have traveled. Mm-hmm. Sure. And now you... You actually sit in a golf cart sometimes with one, and yeah, and have to be <laughs> subject to this priest who. And, and I'm never amazed when his shots kind of go. Not that they do a lot, but every <laughs> once in a while, he'll hit one. Magically, it'll hit a branch, uh, and it'll bounce you. right back in the fairway. <laughs> and it's just good living. Yeah, <laughs> good living. Franciscan connection with. Nature. That's huh? right. Just I wonder right. how that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'm just wondering how, you know, we talked a little bit about your, your journey into coaching and some of your spiritual journey. How do you see the two intertwining in coaching, you know, obviously beyond your kind of small group engagement, but um, yeah. How do you feel like your faith informs the way that you coach your men? I think a couple of things. I, I've also been uh, mentored by mm-hmm. some, gr- this is going to sound kind of crazy, but I had some men in junior high and high school that were phenomenal coaches for that era yeah. 
you know, that time uh, who were tremendously consistent. Mm. So you went from, Mm -hmm. and this is starting in seventh grade. Uh, You know, you played middle school or at that time we call it junior high, junior high football. And there was a message. And then you, then you played basketball and there was a message Mm. and everything was consistent about teamwork, showing up, uh, you know, work ethic, Mm -hmm. you know, your behavior, uh, standards, mm-hmm. and then you went to eighth grade, and there was a new group of coaches, and it was the same messages. Mm-hmm. And then you got to ninth grade, which was a little bit more intense, and that was the same. And you get mm-hmm. to the high school, and and so they they created a foundation. And when you really think about it, when you go to s- the small groups and you read, the stuff that's being taught and that we teach are are the things that were taught. 2,000 years ago. Right. The foundation for the, the original coaching handbook <laughs> is, the, is, is what you read on Sunday, mm-hmm. is what you hear. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not, and the more you, you kind of dive into the, you know, to the, to the art of coaching, mm-hmm. you realize that this stuff is not new. Right. The things that we're doing, we're just kind of repeating, you know, some of the discipline and mm-hmm. some of the structure that was ingrained in us, mm-hmm. not in a spiritual way, but that's where they learned those things. Right. And perhaps they didn't even know what they were teaching or where it came from, but that's where it came from. Mm. You know, it's interesting to be able to call it what it is, you know, and say the disciplines mm. of, of life that are universally applicable, whether it be in business, whether it be in relationship, whether mm. it be in athletics, um, are all rooted in, in the message of Jesus. And, that's not to somehow claim and like put a Jesus sticker on everything, <laughs> you know, but rather to acknowledge mm-hmm. that, um, you know, the creator of the world knows what he's doing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the more that we trust in that and, and realize that as wonderful as advancements are in all the things of this world, whether it be, you know, we're sitting here producing a podcast mm-hmm. um, or, you know, you're, you know, you've got some new um, mechanism that you're using maybe to help uh, do assessment of file, you know, footage from a, a, you know, game tape or whatever, you know, that uh, even those those things progress there are still root foundations mm-hmm. that ground us all. And our faith is just that for us. And I, I you know, I, what was interesting, you said to me, you just said a moment ago that I, I, I think needs to be sort of underscored is that some of our, uh, the important people of our past, mm. they may have not been able to call it what it was, right. but they knew it on some level. And I think, that um, I think it's an important message mm-hmm. for all of us that sometimes even we don't have the vocabulary of faith that uh, we think maybe we need or mm-hmm. that um, would allow someone else to to be able to say, oh, yeah, he's preaching the gospel. But let God figure that out. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't need that. And, and I'm sure with you, uh, John, you've got, you know, guys uh, and you've coached a lot of people over the years from lots of different faith backgrounds um and you know i'm sure you've been tried to be sensitive to that uh at the same time saying hey this is me and so the vocabulary even that you use uh i'm wondering if you know 
students, you know, who then are players that then engage their faith on some level are able to connect the dots a little bit and mm-hmm. say, oh, this is what Dino was talking about, you know, however many <laughs> years ago, right? Yeah, and I think that happens in time. Yeah. Mm. You know, as they reflect, sometimes right. perhaps as, as they uh, have, have their own children, right. mm-hmm. as they are in situations at work that are similar to what they experienced as an athlete, Right. Well, one of the things that made me think about this this conversation, we have a an ethos that we've come up with, which is really simple, and and see what you guys think. Uh, and it's there's there's five parts to it, mm-hmm. and one is show up. Right. Well, right, show up. That's yeah. that's something <laughs> that we hear often. Two is do your best. Mm-hmm. Just do do your best. Three is pay attention to details. Oh yes, mm-hmm. love that right? one. Mm-hmm. Four is care deeply about those around you. Mm. And five is be a good person. Yeah. Mm. I mean, five kind of, if you're doing those first four things. Course, yeah. <laughs> Five's taking care of five. itself. But we say, a lot of times we'll reference and say, when you're in a tough spot, mm. what would a good person do? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, John, you know, that ethos mm-hmm. um, has carried uh, the Duke lacrosse program yes. into some rarefied air in terms of uh, uh more than just the number of championships and number of times you've been in the championship game, uh, but most importantly, I think from almost the, you know, from the ashes of a number of years ago, you came uh, to Duke in the aftermath of the uh, uh, the lacrosse Duke lacrosse scandal that uh, I think it goes without necessarily repeating. But I, one of the things I admire about you um, is that you changed a culture, mm. you know, and you did it in a, in a situation that was radioactive and no one in their right mind <laughs> would have, would have taken. Um, mm. But you and your wife, um, Trish, moved here. Your son was a player on the team at the time. What would you say, you know, out of the gate when you realized or you knew this situation you were stepping into, what you know, how do you, what's the first step? Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm even almost speechless on trying to f- find the right question, but, you know, what's the first order of business in culture change that, um, that you think you were able to really um, affect in that program? Mm. I, I think, you know, looking back, my attitude was, listen, you know, we're going to learn from whatever happened, but this is who I am and we're going to go forward with how I think a, a program should be run. Almost like I'm just going to, we're just going to carry forward what we were doing at Hofstra. We're going to do mm. the same things here uh, with tweaking, of course, because of, of the place that we're at. But you know, you guys are going to have to adjust to me mm. as opposed to, and, and of course there was an adjustment for me t- to here and to our, sure. new, our new students, but it was, Listen, this is how I know to run a program. Right. And so this is how we're going to do it. Right. And so uh, I, I, I'm not sure how to kind of explain that. But I will say this. The foundation of the program was really built by the, the students that were already here. Mm-hmm. And in 2006, when the program was disbanded and there was no, uh, there was no idea if the program was going to continue or who the coach was going to be, you know, uh, the seniors stood up in the locker room. They all had a blanket release. They could all transfer to any school they wanted to. Mm. 
Uh, they were great. They were terrific students. The team had just lost in a national championship game the year before by a goal. So this was a marketable group of young men to go anywhere. The seniors stood up in that locker room, Matt Donowski, Tony McDevitt, uh, Fred Crom, Peter Lomity, Mike Ward, and said, listen, here's the deal. We're not going anywhere. We're going to finish this out. We're not going to run. We love this place. We love each other. And and all 34 guys returned. Wow. Not one student ran. Mm. You know, they all decided they were going to stay. And to me, that was that gave me the strength mm. to say, these guys love the place. They love each other. They're sorry for what happened. They can't go back in time. And they were ready to move forward. Mm. You know, it's, I, I get a chill um, just hearing you say that. You know, what just jumps out mm. at me is that um, when we witness other people's commitment Mm -hmm. that that almost makes us want to double down in our own commitment and and in effect culture is being changed right away that commitment to one another and to something greater than ourselves Mm -hmm. rather than uh, we're all in this to you know just to get what out of it whatever we want so you know moving forward from there i think there's um there's only hopeful possibility uh you know after that i i wonder though um in the years when uh you know when people constantly referred mm. to duke's lacrosse program and i don't know do, do you still get that sometimes? yes we so, do yeah yes right. so what what's your response to that you know how, how do you how do you address that you know well we get it when we're on the road mm. where we're in a hotel Mm. When we're in, uh, sometimes on a flight, a flight attendant will say, hey, whatever happened to those boys? Right. People kind of don't remember. They remember something happened. They remember that uh, it was negative and it wasn't a good thing. And they assume, they they assume the worst. Mm -hmm. Um, And and we have to kind of gently just kind of, you know, massage it and just Mm. explain it to them that, uh, oh, by the way, you know, these are the details, you know, we right. kind of run down a couple of bullet points for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes people are uh, in an elevator, you know, they'll say, hey, you guys having a party? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of parties that have been at colleges over the years, but th- that's, the, <laughs> that's the shot. And, and our guys have right. learned to take a deep breath and, you know, mm-hmm. right. uh, th- that I know nobody's ever punched anybody out you know, in a hotel <laughs> elevator yet. Thank you. Yet. You know, that. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, though, that, that on one side, the culture change gets vaulted forward by everyone sort of having a gut check mm-hmm. and saying, the past is the past. We can't change it. Mm-hmm. Here's what we commit to anew. Right. At the same time, you're always reminded right. of it. And there's, I guess there's, it's gotta be mm-hmm. a little bit of this, um, there, but for the grace of God, go I, you know, mm-hmm. like, Hey, it could happen to any of us again. We can screw this up. Mm-hmm. And do you find guys treasure, um, the program more because they've been a part of something they've rebuilt? There's no doubt about that. Mm. The original, there were actually three members of uh, of the 2007 team. My first year here, there were seven. There were actually seven high school seniors that were offered scholarships to Duke to play lacrosse. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we know, it's a these are we we're called uh, 
you know, we don't have full scholarships, but we have partial. Right. So there are seven guys who offered some money to, to come and play. Mm-hmm. Well, only three of them decided to follow that up. Mm-hmm. Now, sure. this was this is happening in May of their senior year in high school. Wow. So it's too late to apply somewhere else. Right. But four of them found new homes. Mm-hmm. One, uh, Two went to Georgetown, one went to Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and one went to Virginia. Mm-hmm. Wow. But the three guys stayed without a promise, as I said before, of... Will there be a program? Will there, Will there be a coach? Jeez. And um, and again, it was a leap of faith, right? For sure, right? But their senior year, they won a national championship. Dude, mm. wow! You know, their freshman year, they lost in the national championship by a goal. Mm-hmm. So those guys uh, and the next group of recruits in the next couple of years, mm-hmm. I I think you're spot on. People wanted to be part of something yeah. that was greater than themselves. Right. They wanted to help. I wouldn't say the brand, but they wanted to be part of the Duke Lacrosse program for that reason. Mm. That is really powerful. It it really is incredible. Yeah, the you feed off one another's desire to to keep growing and improving. Um, you know, you mentioned part of the uh, your strategy for coming in and shifting that culture was like this is. This is who I am. This is how I know to live a, a, a strong moral life. And we're going to bring that into this team. Um, and we're going to have these standards and work this program this way. What would you say to folks who maybe aren't in that sort of leadership position, but still want to impact their community where they see some culture needs to shift? Um, you're thinking about a student who's in a student org or a group or something, or maybe they see some things that they don't like. How would you encourage them to try and help shift things a little bit? At the, you know, at the end of the day, when I first came here, I, I always looked at it as I was in a no-lose situation. Mm. Uh, that the worst thing that was going to happen was that there was going to be a rogue jury the boys are going to be found guilty. Mm. The program would be dropped forever, and I would go home and be a bartender. You know, <laughs> I, I would do something to make money. Yeah. But it, it was a no lose. But what it taught me was that that freed me mm. to make decisions and to to get out of my own comfort zone and to try some things I normally would not have tried. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day. We all have that freedom. Mm-hmm. We just don't realize it. Mm-hmm. We all have that freedom because it does take a little bit of courage. It yeah. does take, you know, to step out, to say what you feel, to to right or wrong. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, you don't lose anything. Right. Uh, if you feel strongly and, and if, you know, if you're thoughtful about your decision and mm-hmm. when it's time to speak up, there's really nothing to lose. Um, and, and that, to me, that was extremely... Uh, empowering. Yeah, very freeing. That's beautiful. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yes, because what are you holding on to? If you're right. afraid to like to say what needs to be said or to like speak for that change or fight for that change, then you're holding you think some you ultimately think something else is more important than this change that you want to see be made. I love that. That's that's really mm, I'm invigorated. Are you? Yes. You're invig- you're I'm going to change the culture in this office, Coach. I am going to uh, get like rid that. of all the negative energy oh, from the Lord. administration. <laughs> How about we can start with uh, maybe a new paint job here in the studio. <laughs> That's right. The studio. The studio needs some work. You're sitting here talking about how empowered you are. You're, mm-hmm. You have a scarf on. Yeah, because I was chilly. It's extremely stylish. Oh, it's very, oh yes. Thank you. Please. 
Yes, it is stylish, but mm-hmm. you'd think it was 40 You're degrees You're a man out who there. wears the sackcloth every day. Are you mocking my religious habit? Definitely not. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, this God has been you. incredible. Good. This is yeah. my first experience at wow. this. And oh, get ready. Yeah, unbelievable. You're, you're gonna you're gonna take off on the um, <laughs> on the podcast parade. You know, everyone's gonna be calling now. So um, that's right. But we have you here, and we can say that uh, this is uh, just another fireside chat. First, mm. you know, where we have the um, um, well, we we could say you're probably. You just had what was the uh, milestone you hit last uh, last season? Was it what win number was it? Four hundred. Number four hundred. Wow. Think about that. That means I've been coaching for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, yes. So grateful for for you being on the podcast, um, Father Mike. Did you want to close us in a brief prayer? Yeah, I do. And just maybe just some encouragement to uh, any of our listeners who. Um, find themselves in a circumstance that they think is unchangeable Mm. and one where whether it's personal or whether it's communal um, that you know some of what uh, coach Donowski shared with us today gives all of us hope that um, that the spirit of God gives us courage Mm. to be the one to um, to step in and uh, use our lives as uh an example, which is, is a hard thing. Um, you know, when you said that, John, you could, some might argue, well, that's pretty arrogant or (laughs) it's, it's no, it's, I, I believe God has made me and I've tried to follow a certain way of life. And I, I, I'm, I'm willing to grow in that, but this is the way I do things. And I, 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 become confident mm-hmm. that God is leading me in the right way. And so yeah. I just encourage our listeners to not fear, but be free mm-hmm. uh, to have the courage to be that difference maker uh, in whatever circumstance they find themselves. So Lord God, we're, um, we're honored uh, by uh, John's presence and not just here in uh, with our podcast listeners, but um, on our campus and making a difference in the lives of so many of our student athletes uh, and students as a whole uh, bless us uh, bless all those who uh, are listening as they uh, examine the dimensions of their lives that need uh, a little bit of a uh, culture change or culture shift and may we see you uh, in all the things that we do um, so that we might uh, be able to envision a better world in your name we pray lord amen amen amen, amen. Thanks, Coach. I'm going to take that idea of freedom out with me. Thank you. All right. And thank you guys, our listeners, for joining us for another great episode of Friarside Chats. A great episode. A spectacular episode. Yes, spectacular. (laughs) (laughs) You can email us anytime with your thoughts, any questions you might have, or suggestions for future episodes. You can send those to me at erm13 at duke.edu. Friarside Chats is supported by many generous donors, students, parents, alumni, and friends of Duke just like you. To learn how you can support Friarside Chats or any other ministry of the Duke Catholic Center, visit catholic.duke.edu backslash support. All righty. Thanks again. Thank you, John. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Great yeah. being I'm humbled. with you. Thank you. See you guys next time on Friarside Chats.